Blondes with glasses, they can't sing. Blondes with glasses, let's do this podcast thing. Hey, Shannon. Hi, Becca. Oh, boy. How stressful. (laughs) (laughs) We are taking fate into our own hands because you have a handyman coming. Yes. And he could show up at any time. Yeah. Yeah. They have to replace my sink faucet because it's leaking and old Uh and... They tried yesterday. Two different guys came yesterday to fix it. And then they were like, yep, we need to replace it. And I was like, great. They're like, oh, yeah. So we looked into it. The one that you need is like um, not here or something. So uh-huh. I couldn't really understand what their, what the reasoning was. But they're like, but we'll do it tomorrow. So hopefully okay. <laughs> they haven't forgotten about me. <laughs> um, well, if they do come on, I hope they're ready to talk about our topic for the today. Yeah. If they yeah. show up. They're going to be included in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they've seen it. Yeah. So we both saw, you took my advice, my recommendation, and yes. you went to go see Allegiance in yes. the theater this week, yeah. this past week. Yeah. Um, so it was, in case our listeners didn't go see it, uh, it's a musical that was on Broadway last year, and it didn't run for very long, but they recorded it, mm-hmm. and... They finally were like, let's show it in movie theaters. And so they had a one-night-only event like they do with a lot of national theater productions. And we both, from different cities, went to go see it, of a play of the past, a musical of the past. I just love that. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I wish it was more than one night. I thought yeah. that was kind of ridiculous. I don't know why that's the... I think that's to make it more, like, immediate. Like, you have to go see it that one night. But it's it's difficult, because, like, it was a Tuesday night, which yeah. is... So anybody in the theater community, that can severely limit them going to see it, because it was just luck that I didn't have a show that night. Mm-hmm. I had a show that afternoon, but not that night. So I was able to go see it. But other people, you know, like, Monday is the only day off for most theater people that work on shows. Yeah. So, and the theater community is huge in going to see theater obviously so um, well it was like sold out everywhere here it was sold out mm -hmm. in all the comfy theaters and so I had to go to a very close theater but with crappier seats and that was packed to the brim and I just thought there's demand (laughs) packed to the brim it's the brim packed to the brim I don't understand brim like a hat brim okay (laughs) never mind (laughs) What what what's the what are you saying is the correct and what's the incorrect? Rim is incorrect. Brim is correct. I said brim. Oh, Back I thought to the brim. brim. <laughs> God. It sounded like I'm you were sorry. correcting me with the exact thing I said, so <laughs> we'll try to figure a, that out. A thousand apologies. I'm yes, so sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um anyway. So I just it felt like well there's demand and I'm certain you could get even more people on a another night as well you know mm-hmm. it's like you have this recording please show it elsewhere so this is a big conversation that a lot of people in my world talk about a lot because there's I think we might have talked about this in the theater episode that we did mm-hmm. many many moons ago but I'm huge this is like my life I, I want if I could pick a dream job it would be to capture theater productions and send them to whoever wants to watch them and there are a lot of people that are in that camp that are Mm -hmm. you know making these performances available to other people that can't go to broadway to see it um before it closes but there's also a lot of people that think that theater should stay in a theater building and should not be 
recorded, it takes something away, which is true. Like it's not you're not seeing the same thing at the end of the day. It's you're I think seeing, you're seeing more. <laughs> well, I get um, it's, you get close-ups, you get directorial choices like visually added layered on top of it mm-hmm. that I think added so much value to it. Then yes, I I understand that there is the magic of live performance and you can't beat that or whatever being in the theater, being a part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's still a significant amount of that when you are in a th- watching it in the theater mm-hmm. with all these other people. It just happens to be a movie theater. And but right. you also get to see close-ups of people's faces. You get to see different angles on the stage than you would ever get to see mm-hmm. in a live performance. And I just and it's so much more accessible. It cost me, you know, it cost eighteen dollars for these tickets. I didn't mm-hmm. have to. I I could go on a Tuesday night, you know, and mm-hmm. five minutes from my house. And I just think it's just so ridiculous that people like there already there is the stage version. Anyone who wants to go see that and can go see that can go see that, and that nothing is take is being taken from that. Mm-hmm. This is just adding another dimension, another audience. So like. It, I, I don't really, like, anyone who wants to tell me that there's something inherently bad about recording and distributing a, a live shows, I just don't yeah. have any patience for them. <laughs> it, it is a very exclusive mindset. Like, it's yeah. like, you don't want to allow people into the club. That's what it feels like to me. And as somebody who wants to make theater accessible for everyone, I want people to come see shows. And especially like with this example, this is a great example of a show that really needed this platform because it closed very quickly on Broadway and Broadway is a very expensive place for a show to live. Mm -hmm. So all the time shows that have been running for years all of a sudden, one month, they're like, eh, we can't afford it anymore. That's what happened with Billy Elliot, which they also recorded. Mm-hmm. And it was because, in, in Billy Elliot's case, that there were so many kids in that cast that it was... And the mechanics of the show were so expensive to maintain because the kids had to be in school. They had to triple cast the kids. Like, it's just unbelievable how the overhead costs right. for a show on Broadway. And if it's not doing a national tour, which is already insanely expensive, mm-hmm. both for the show to do and for... a a person to go see then seeing it in a movie theater when it's already closed is not going to hurt the performance yeah. that was on Broadway like and this is a the story of allegiance is very timely and i'm yes. really happy that they were like let's take this opportunity to actually use the recording we made and show it to people and right. i i can i kind of understand the other side of the equation but not in this scenario no. like if it's a i understand why people are like hamilton should not be broadcast because i kind of get it like they want to keep it exclusive they want people to see it in its state that it was meant to be seen like i kind of understand at the same time i don't i don't, kinda, I don't. like but... <laughs> you you sold the soundtrack once you've done that you're saying you, you can get half the show and we're sort mm-hmm. of taunting you with the rest of it. And then once the original cast is no longer performing it, they're also sort of taunting you with, you know, you'll never see the show in the original form it was originally intended because that well, original cast it. is gone. They right, that's what I'm saying, with... but they won't yeah. release that, you right. know? Like, they just because... do it in chunks on a PBS documentary and, or a Tony's performance or something, and so you get glimpses, and it's almost like they are taunting you, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I just don't see what... You, I don't see why people who would see the film version wouldn't also want to see the stage version. It's like you're not taking away potential viewers. Yeah, I so the 
Okay, the thing with... The, let me just give you the backstory behind what I know from the National Theater, because I did multiple research stints there. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, when Benedict Cumberbatch was blowing up and everybody was obsessed, everybody... They would get calls all the time asking when they were going to release the production they did of Frankenstein with him and Johnny Lee Miller mm-hmm. on DVD. Because they had done it in cinemas as a National Theater Live. They did it, like, every... Um, Halloween for a couple years they Mm re-released it and people were like just let it go onto DVD that's the next step we've seen it in cinemas we want to own it and you could put bonus features whatever and people will buy it and the real reason behind them not being able to do that that I learned from being in that room was it wasn't intended they never thought that it would be a big deal so it wasn't written into the contracts of anybody that worked on the show. The people that built, that designed the sets, the people that did the lighting, the people that acted in the show. Mm-hmm. That everybody involved needed to have a clause in their contract that said, we can release this for home use. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, so they can never, basically at this point. It's impossible to go back to redo all that contracting stuff. Because people will renegotiate salaries how much am i being paid royalty wise for this being released Mm -hmm. and it is such a headache that it'll never happen and it's like a hard truth but we're in like a a point where people are starting to realize that you can cross pollinate between stage and screen and screen and home movies and stuff so they haven't quite put all the pieces together yet where they realize like you can track the same audience all the way through They'll see it on stage, yeah. they'll see it in the movie theater, they'll see it at home. Yeah. It doesn't exist yet. Well, I'm assuming recent productions have included a clause in in there to cover any sort of live events, you know, streaming, DVD sales, or anything like that, if they're smart, because... I hope so. It's so obvious that's where everything is going. The, and Yeah, that'd be really dumb. There, it's like a company-by-company company basis situation because the Globe Theatre in the UK does sell their stuff on DVD. At the mm-hmm. end of every season, they release the former season on DVD. And it's fantastic. And you can also it's buy genius. it digitally. You can get it on their player, like like the iPlayer or whatever. So you can rent it. You could buy it as a hard copy. You can show it in classrooms. The National Theatre also does classroom stuff now where you can rent it for your school. Um but that doesn't happen in America. America is so far behind on this stuff. Like, it boggles my mind that Allegiance even made it to theaters. Yeah. <laughs> because it seems like America's just so stalled. And it, I can't believe it because it's, our country is so big. And it makes sense that people will go to the movie theater to see a Broadway show. Because right. people in Ohio can't go to Broadway unless it's like an extravagant trip christmas gift where everybody is pitching in and they have to get a hotel and what show are you gonna see and it's like complicated and it's so expensive most, most people aren't gonna do it and no. if they do see these shows it's gonna be in a national tour it's gonna be in their local theaters 10 years later yeah it's gonna be the high school production of it in 15 right. years and that's the other thing that is very complicated especially for us because we live very close to new york there's also a ton of legal stuff about what shows can go on a national tour based on where they are located like so if a show is running on broadway Mm -hmm. it can't go to philadelphia 
because we are too close to New York. Because there are all these really legal, like, very strict rules that if you're within a certain distance of a major theater performing it, you can't perform it. So you will never see, like, a, a production of Matilda in Philadelphia as long as Matilda is running in New York. Unless it's been on Broadway for so long that it has gone into a national tour and then it's only there for one night. Like, it's so complicated and so limiting. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So, Ridiculous. Well, let's get into Allegiance, the yes. the show. Um, yeah. So, basically, it's, it's uh, loosely based, inspired by George Takei's life uh, when he was a child, when he was put in a Japanese internment camp in the 40s. And uh, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I think you did too. Yeah. So I, you went with Arnaldo, right? Yes, I did. On our podcast last week. Yeah. And I went with my dad and Kyle and I think we were texting afterwards. I think everybody in our groups loved it. Yeah. It it took me a while to get on board because I think the first act just in general as like a show was not quite up to my standards, but yeah, (laughs) but I thought, yeah, in all, I thought the music was pretty unmemorable. Mm-hmm. But, it, like, it made up for it in other ways. Yeah. Like, I think, honest, I think it could have gotten by as a really great play just That's as exactly, well as a musical. exactly but, what my dad said. <laughs> but, like, you know, you have Leah Salonga, you know, so. Right. <laughs> Literally, every time she had a song, I was like, I don't care about the song. I yeah. just care about her voice. Like, I, I just want, I, the, this is what I tweeted after the show. I was like, every performance that Leah Salonga does needs to be reco- recorded for posterity <laughs> yeah. and, like, sent to the historical archives. Cause she's amazing. Yeah. And I am so sad because she barely acts on Broadway anymore. And I, I it was like so touching to actually see it even though it was a year ago you know like that's the whole point is we we got to see her on broadway in a weird way yeah i i'm just so happy i saw it (laughs) yeah i thought the way the music sort of was used it 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 just felt like every time there was some sort of heightened emotions people Mm -hmm. just started singing you know and they just singing their line sort of a thing (laughs) so i don't know like there was no no nothing really catchy Maybe that one song where... At the dance? Yeah, the dance, the one, yeah. The act one finale, yeah. yeah. I I think that was the only song where I was like, this feels like... Well, I could tell because I was like, this is a musical theme where at the end yeah. of the first act, there's going to be a huge number. It probably will have a dance. Like, it was very West Side Story to me. Yeah. And I appreciated it. The song was was catchy, as you were saying. And I mm-hmm. think part of the problem was like they were they were using motifs from the 40s which those musical motifs aren't the most exciting yeah (laughs) you know like it's very classic music now for us and it's not as fun as some other musicals like I don't know but it's yeah I I still the acting was great I love George acting was amazing so good (laughs) and Michael K. Lee was amazing too that was the boy that uh Leah Salonga was in love with it. the boy. I was, he's oh, yeah. a man, <laughs> but he's a super super star in um, Asian, like the Broadway of Asia. Because there's, um, well, I know amazing... I've seen him before elsewhere. Yeah, I, but I couldn't place it. IMDb, and I there was some stuff that I recognized him from, but now I can't recall it. Um, yeah, but, but he was great. He, 
he was, um, he's been in Asia for like the past 10 years and there's a really great Buzzfeed article, which I know is not usually the place to find these amazing articles, but they have some long read articles that are unbelievable. And yeah. I will link this one onto our blog cause I've used it before, um, on my own Broadway blog and it's called who, who tells their story, which is a Hamilton reference. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, it's by Lewis Pietzman and it's about Asian representation on Broadway mm-hmm. and how after the last year's Tonys, everybody was like, uh, Tony's so diverse hashtag after the Oscars debacle and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's a great article cause it's like diversity is not like an umbrella that lifts everybody or like a rising tide that lifts everybody. Because while, you know, the black community had a great year on Broadway, the Asian community did not. And like mm-hmm. only 4% of performers on Broadway in, or in New York non-for-profit theaters from 2006 to 2015 were Asian. 4%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't include Allegiance, but the fact that a show like Allegiance could make such a difference percentage-wise right. is, sa- is really sad mm-hmm. because the only reason it was at 4, 4% anyway was because there was a revival of The King and I, yeah. basically. like, And then there are like a few people here and there that are spread out like there's the two lead roles in Aladdin are played by Asian Americans and there was, there's an Asian woman in Avenue Q. It's like one person in waitress, one person here, one person there. And so it's like very, you can, you can say the Tonys are so diverse, but at the same time, not quite, you know, Right. (laughs) there's a, there's a really long tradition. Tradition is the wrong word, but like really horrible precedent on Broadway of having white actors cast in Asian roles and like including Jonathan Price who won a Tony for playing an Asian role in Miss Saigon which Mm -hmm. was a huge legal battle and the BuzzFeed article goes into it in great depth and I I have read this article yeah I think I sent it to you for sure yeah it's great but it's I'll link it it's amazing but um in that article they talk about how People like um, Leah Salonga have gone back to Asia to perform in shows like Rent or like any other show, mm-hmm. and just they've they've cast it with Asian people and they're superstars. And then right. meanwhile, there are like so few roles on Broadway for them because mm-hmm. people on Broadway casting are like, oh no, you don't fit the role quite. Right. You're not a heartthrob, you know. And it's like, mm-hmm. why? Josh on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a heartthrob mm-hmm. and he's Asian, like. So the guy who played Sammy was a real heartthrob in my mind. I know, I love him. He was, in, <laughs> he was um, in Godspell on Broadway a couple years ago, and he was his voice is amazing. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I just I loved the story of it all. I love the two parallel lives of Sammy and what's his face. <laughs> <laughs> who did she marry? Oh, Frankie. Uh, Frankie, yes. Yes. So, like, he, it's just, it was just such a great, like, look at that period of time and, and how, how simple we thought it was and how complicated it really was and how mm-hmm. you can have these different ways of, of, of fighting for your beliefs and they're both mm-hmm. equally valid and it's all fraught and complicated and, and it really, it made you, Allegiance, it's such a great title and, like, theme throughout the whole thing of asking you, like, who are your, like, 
how can you still have allegiance to this oppressive state and how can you not? And, you know, like sort of a thing and constantly questioning like who you want to to like what America you want to represent and how to fight for that America. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's so relevant and it's so important. And I I'm so mad that I can say, like, I saw this. You should see it, too. And mm-hmm. then people look at me like, how? Yeah. And we're, that, we're sort I, of back at the top there. but Exactly. I, and you hit on exactly what we were talking about in our on our drive home, which is it was so important to me when I was watching it for to see the two different ways of going at, like, being an activist. I, yeah. Was, because... Sammy was like, I'm going to prove that I am an American by enlisting. Yeah. And Frankie was like, I'm going to burn my draft card. I am not going to do that. Mm-hmm. You are, you are, you know, not supporting all Americans by keeping yeah. us in this camp. And you can, it was never, there was never a point in the show where you were like, that guy's wrong. That guy's right. Right. It was so complicated and y- you saw it all from both sides and, mm-hmm. It was just like everything was so multifaceted, and I think that's one of the things I love so much about theater right. is that they they can explore that in depth. And uh, it was just like it made my heart beat so fast because I <laughs> I was just very very impressed, and I I was a happy girl for sure. Yeah, I mean, I like, the only people you could determine were definitely wrong in the situation were white people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. was the American government for allowing yeah. this to happen, for treating people this way, and that the compromise being, oh, just put them on suicide missions as soldiers, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a thing, and, like, that's the best we can do because they'd rather just have you, we'd rather just have you disappear, basically. Yeah, and I was talking to... uh Kyle about this this morning and I said what should we mention that you know because he's a history buff and I was like maybe he'll have some insight that we won't have but he said it is really a great reflection of the movie Glory which is anytime there's a segregated unit they go above and beyond the expectations of the government they because part of it is they need they have this feeling like they need to prove that they are worthy Mm -hmm. and then the other part is that they're sent on these missions where it's like impossible. And mm-hmm. so that was the one thing I was like, I'm, you know, maybe this is the time to go watch glory, which I've never done. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I was, it, it was, it, it was great. I just, I loved it so much. And also I just want to put it in a self plug right now because uh, I was also thinking about it in context because I wrote a review that's being published in the Texas Theater Journal mm-hmm. of a production of South Pacific that they did in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a review for it and basically my review was like everybody knows this show is like really bad, right? <laughs> because it is written from the perspective that so there's there's have you seen South Pacific? No. Okay. So the main story is there's a girl from Alabama who is an is a nurse? No, she's not a nurse. She is a nurse. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she, she's stationed in the South Pacific, and she falls in love with a French uh, uh, farmer, basically, who's living there. That's the main story. The B plot is in the revival they did on Broadway in two thousand eight. Matthew Morrison was this guy, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Cable, who fa- who goes to a, another island from where they're stationed, and he falls in love with this woman, who. Basically, in the production I saw, was 
played by a, a Asian woman who looked so young that immediately I was like, oh my god, he's a terrible pedophile. Oh god. And that was basically what my review was about. was like, the way that they cast this show made you immediately like think of that song that he sings to her completely in a different way. Because the song is called Younger Than Springtime. And it's like all about how she's so beautiful and young and he loves her so much after she they can't communicate they don't speak the same language and it is like Mm. gross it is so gross (laughs) and i was part of the review is that i was very happy that they cast that way because they these golden age musicals are kind of getting like as time goes on are getting more and more Gross. Uh, <laughs> gross. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. It's like there, there are all these themes that are like no longer accurate or allowed, you know. Mm-hmm. And and by actually pointing them out and saying like, "Hey, that's a red flag," <laughs> you know, it's they take the opportunity that not every theater does mm-hmm. to say like, mm, maybe he didn't actually, you know, maybe he was exoticizing this woman. Like she was just a kid and she had to sell her body to like make some money. Mm -hmm. And I think that seeing that and seeing allegiance is like, it was nice because not every production of South Pacific, like the Glenn Close movie version, TV movie version with Harry Connick Jr. does not have that theme in it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but it was, um, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other things from Allegiance that we can talk about. The whole thing's a flashback. We could talk about that. Yes. They start off 40 years after this, uh, the the events of the of the of the musical, mm-hmm. and so, I I actually thought that really worked for mm-hmm. me because it just made everything so much more painful. Knowing mm-hmm. that the very first, like the first five minutes, they tell you he hasn't spoken to his sister in 40 years. And knowing that throughout the entire musical is so heartbreaking and it just makes the ending that much harder and then that much more like makes you want to cry at the end when they, Mm -hmm. you know, reveal um, another thing. Well, let me tell you about my one of my favorite off-Broadway musicals I ever saw. It's called Yank, A World War II Love Story. Uh (laughs) And I wrote a research paper on it in college because I was doing a paper on LGBT representation in musicals over the years. And Yank was an off-Broadway show which was framed exactly the same, where it started with a flashback, like, in in the now, and it was a kid who had found a journal, a young man who had found a journal, and he was reading about this guy's life in World War II, and he realized that he was in love with somebody in his platoon, and then he plays that character in the flashback of the show. And it's all, so, because he's a young gay man, and he's reading the story about this gay man from the past, and so... I've seen that before and I'll tell you it works like every time because <laughs> again it's the same it was the same thing in that show as well where it is I think that's what TV tries to do all the time and it doesn't work and I can't quite figure out why I maybe it's the music actually like tugging on your heartstrings or I think it's I because I'm, it's it's not an episode of television. It's not an episode of something. It's the whole contained story and it affects hmm. how you view the rest of it the whole and it, thing, yeah. yeah and it really ties the whole thing together it, it it shows you the parallels before you even realize you're being shown them and then but with when you do it with an episode of television 
it's 45 minutes or whatever. And if you do this all the time when you open with someone's fighting someone and mm. then then it says two, two hours before, whatever, 24 hours earlier, mm-hmm. you gain nothing from that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect the way you see things. All you think is like, if you think about it at all, you're like, oh, how did we get to that big fight scene? You know, because it almost is never anything that's like, oh, it's so heartbreaking knowing that at the end of all this, they're just going to end up here because it always feels like a sleight of hand. Like, well, we don't know the story behind that, so I'm not going to take that at face value anyway. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. you start to completely disregard those, those you know, beginnings to, to shows. I also think in... And I'm specifically thinking of Arrow right Right. now, because this is always the punching bag I go to. But I think that in shows like that, they go to, they do it in media res situation where it is a fight, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think they kind of do that so that when people are watching the show previous to it and it comes on, they're like, oh, what's happening now? Like, ooh, a fight, you know? It's like to try and hook you. Mm -hmm. And that is not what happened at Allegiance. It was not a hooky right. moment. It was like a, here's a guy getting ready to go to a, you know, he's putting on his uniform mm-hmm. for the for Pearl Harbor event he's going mm-hmm. to, like, Remembrance Day. And, and it immediately starts to plunge you into the story. It's not, it's, it mm-hmm. is story driven. It's not like a, oh my God, what's happening? I'm, I don't know anything right now. And right. I, I think that's really we've talked about this before i'm so sorry but i think it's so mean to do that to your audience when mm-hmm. it's like it has no worth and it's exactly not, it's not anything but yeah. in this case it was something and it was it, yeah. you're right it did really inform your whole you know reaction to everything you were seeing right and because you knew he'd lived at the end mm-hmm. of it you know and sort of and so that that sort of changed your perspective on the and still you were still surprised by plenty of things. I just yeah, I thought it was well used and I mm-hmm. think it is well used in movies and productions like this because they are these self-contained things. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think when it's used in TV, it's a cheap ploy to yep. to hook you and I don't think they realize how little it actually works <laughs> to hook you <laughs> yeah. because it just doesn't like Nobody assigns any stakes to it anymore, I don't think, because they look at that and they go, oh, you know, like 48 hours earlier. Okay, so, you know, like, who knows what led up to that, and it's probably going to be fine at the end, because it's Mm -hmm. TV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we're going to keep harping on this until (laughs) Hollywood changes their ways. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. Um, I do want to say... This year is looking kind of good for Asian Americans on Broadway, maybe. Well, okay, so it's always, you know, you never know, because shows sometimes crumble. They only do six performances, and they fail or whatever. But um, opening soon is a production of Amelie, based off the movie, with Philippa Sue in the main role. Ooh, great. Title role. Yeah, so she was previously in Hamilton. Everybody loves her. She also, I realized... And that's a musical? Uh, it is a musical. Interesting. I saw some production photos and it looks very good um, visually. I don't know about the right. music or anything. But um, she also was in this very long-winded titled show, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which is mm-hmm. opening again with Josh Groban. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. No, there's somebody else in that that is pretty great. 
I can't remember. Anyway, but, um, and also this past year, they had their first ever Asian American Christine in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway, which was a big deal because they had, um, a black man play the Phantom a couple years ago. So I'm really happy that a show that's been running for 20 years can make some changes because that's not always the case. I think... I think it's just useful now that we have Hamilton as a as like a just a, as as a point to make when people say like, well, we don't want to because ca- you know historical accuracy. We want it to be like this, and all you have to do is be like Hamilton. Like literally, <laughs> anytime anyone says historical accuracy ever again, you could just be like Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by That's the true. way, I just finished listening to the soundtrack today. Yes. We are all waiting on pins. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. It was a shame that all the best lines and most, like, the the big songs I had already heard before. Mm -hmm. So there was literally pretty much no surprises in it. And yet I Mm -hmm. still enjoyed it. So it's good. Good. (laughs) I'm very glad. I will say, and this is also for our listeners who I know some of them have listened to Hamilton, there is a song in the show that is not on the album, and it was purposely left out because it is a um, very touching moment uh, sort of situation. So, when you do eventually see it... Why did you tell me that? Why? (laughs) Now I'm just angry! Uh, Well, okay, it is a reprise of a song, so you've heard the song. It's just another moment where... They purposely left it off so people that had listened to the album would go in and they would still have something new to find in the show. That oh, was okay. the reasoning. And I like that. So um, when eventually we go see it together, when it's in its 10th year of national tour, we, we can discover that moment together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That I'm really good. glad you liked it. Aww. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I did you- enjoy it. And there were some some very catchy songs and some good lines. I mean, I'd already read the lines somewhere else, you know, all over Tumblr mm-hmm. and yeah. not realized they were all Hamilton quotes. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. So it, it almost was like, wow, he stole a lot of shit, you know, and then you're like, oh, oh no, everyone wait. else Everybody is referencing him. him. <laughs> um, you, did you hear that Taron Killam is going to be the next king? They're in the no, show. No, but that's amazing. Yeah. They just announced that this week. So that's great. Everybody's very excited about him. Um, now next on your list, after you listen to the album a million times, you'll have to move on to the mixtape, which also came out this month. Yeah. Now that'll make sense. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad we both saw Allegiance and I wish our, all of our listeners. I wish they could too. too, And I figure, no, this is probably naive of me to say, but I figure because they got it shown in theaters, then they have some avenue for distributing it elsewhere in other formats. I will say, as a final note, that is maybe happening because there is a web platform that is trying to collect all of these shows that have been, you know, broadcast like that. And they did the live performance of She Loves Me last year. Right. Or this previous fall, um, which I... It's hopeful. It's not like the end of the road for a lot of these things. It's just a lot of negotiations involved. And I think that once some big show gets the ball rolling, it'll be sort of like, you know, expected for other shows. And also another good thing is that a lot of shows have the same producers and have, you know, the same Schubert organization overseeing them or whatever. So 
once you do it with one, you it's easier to do it with the next one. So She Loves Me has already tackled it. Yeah. And they have the backlog of other shows that were recorded, like, you know, the original cast of Into the Woods and stuff. So um, it's called Broadway HD. And I will yeah. keep you updated if more stuff arrives on there. Because you're right. It, it, it is like a renting, buying situation. And it is great. It's great to right. see stuff like that. Yeah, because it's such a bargain. You know, you could pay $90, $100 for a theater ticket, mm-hmm. or you could watch it for, you know, a, a, you know, a fraction of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think, you know, creators of Broadway shows or people writing the contracts, and when you're filming it and you have a form and a contract that you have everyone sign, just include an extra clause about the distribution mm-hmm. and residuals. Like, yep. Just stop the problem up front. You know, like, that's what the whole writer's strike of 07 was about, or 08, was because there wasn't anything in their clauses about online streaming and getting residuals for that. And so they solved that problem. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. before you guys have a strike on your hands, (laughs) solve solve the problem. When you, before the show even debuts, solve the problem. I mean, it's so easy. And Mm -hmm. wouldn't everyone's goal on Broadway to be able to get Broadway to more people. I mean, otherwise why release soundtracks of Broadway shows? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous that you do that, but you can't release the visuals as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's my little chastisement of Broadway. (laughs) Also, (laughs) I, my little thing is go see your local theater productions because that Mm -hmm. also is important because that's one of the fears that people on Broadway have is like, or not Broadway, but like the theater community in general has. Like if you can see Allegiance in your, your own, you know, home, if you can rent right. it, are you going to go see the local theater production of Allegiance when it comes to town? And so mm-hmm. it's right. You are right. You get to see so much more when it's on a screen, when it's filmed for you. But at the same time, there is something special about going to a theater. Well, if they and... can make more money by selling DVDs so that they can lower the cost of ticket prices, mm-hmm. then again, you're lowering you know, the barriers to entry and you're allowing even more people to watch. So why not open up new revenue streams just so that you can make it affordable? Because Mm. yes, I'd love to see local productions, but I can't afford tickets that are more than $40, $50. I mean, that's just too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of theaters that have usher programs where if you volunteer to usher, you can see the show for free. I will also say that. Okay. Hot tip. Cool. They do that at my theater. <laughs> That's what I did in high school. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you well, have a do recommendation? Have a... Oh, I was just going to ask, so I'll I go know. first then. Um, I, my recommendation is for real this week. It's uh, The White, Rab- White Rabbit Project on Netflix, which is the new sort of spinoff of Mythbusters. Oh, so okay. it's a 10 episode series with the B team from Mythbusters. So Grant and Tori and Carrie mm-hmm. and they, they do basically Mythbusters type of things, but it's structured a little differently, but they still do, um, you know, everything that you love from Mythbusters. So there's kind of explosions and, um, facts and historical stuff and testing of myths and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's less myth-based and more historical-based. So they're trying to, like, you know, test weapons from World War II or seeing, um, uh, 
what else? Like, uh, the best superpower, how can we be become superheroes, stuff like that. So we've been watching it in the background while playing board games, and it's the perfect show to do So you haven't been watching with. it at all? <laughs> no, because you don't really have to pay attention until they actually do the explosion, because it's, you know, talking head stuff or showing historical footage of Hitler, you know? Uh, sure. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it's if you're doing a puzzle or something, I would recommend it for you as a puzzle show. Mm. Okay, okay. I'm literally doing a jigsaw puzzle right here, right now. So perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you can go. watch it when your when your sync people are over. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> uh, I can't bring myself to watch anything when the handymen come. But it's also oh, no. like I can't just like sit here. Sit. Do you so, listen like, to podcasts? No, I don't like what like they I don't know like I don't want them to hear what I'm doing so like I'll maybe go on the computer for a little bit sometime like yesterday I was like Julie can you call me because I feel really awkward and then I went to my oh. room and talked on the phone with her. <laughs> that, no, that's so. I weird. did my jigsaw puzzle for a little while in silence, but yeah, like oh I'm not God. gonna put on a podcast. Like that's so awkward. Yeah, you're, you're it is really awkward no. having work people in your apartment. Like that's how no. it is. It's awkward. No, but you're making it awkward awkward by keeping it silent. Put on a podcast. <laughs> no, then they'd have to hear the podcast. And so, then they couldn't, like, talk to each other about the problem. Uh, okay. No, it's so weird. No. I can okay. barely pick a podcast that, like, my parents could overhear. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I going to listen to the latest How Did This Get Made while the handymen <laughs> are over? Like, no, I'm not. Like, that's insane. I just want to say that How Did This Get Made has really affected my life recently because we were listening to, I can't remember whichever episode it was, but the one where Jason comes out and the first thing he says is, we're going to talk about frog titties! Because <laughs> now we just yell that in our house all the time. <laughs> it's amazing. So you should pick that episode. That'll be great for the handyman. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that'll go over yeah. well. Yeah. So what's your recommendation for me? So this is another thing I watched over Thanksgiving break. I watched this with Julie and Zach. Um, it's called mm -hmm. Search Party. You've probably heard of it. Um, oh, it's on um, Comedy Central? TBS. TBS, that's right. Yes. I've and seen some ads for it. Yeah, it's great. It's 10 episodes, I believe. Um, and you can watch them all. They all came out on the same day last month. So either way, you cool. can watch it all. And it's great. It's it's a great show to like binge. It's about these four like hipster millennials that you hate, except mm -hmm. um, the main character Dory is played by Alia Shaket. I think is how you pronounce her name. I'm not sure from Arrested Development, and she's amazing. The character is mm -hmm. really fascinating. She's in, does an incredible performance in this show, and it's basically these four annoying friends. It's like this dark comedy. They're like an acquaintance of theirs from college has gone missing and she mm -hmm. really wants and like Dory Alia she really wants to like find this girl and she's convinced that she can find her and so you sort of follow this mystery as it unfolds and it has a really satisfying ending where it's just it's it's amazing and then um and so Julie loved it as well and we talked about it and she had this beautiful analysis of it she related it to like the stranger and absurdism and it's just <laughs> like it's so it's I just like I loved it and I loved being like being able to talk to someone about it afterwards so mm -hmm. once you watch it you'll want to talk to me about it <laughs> cool all right yeah. I will it's called search good. party on tbs 
It's a half hour show too, right? Yeah. Oh my god. It's basically like 20 minute episodes. Perfect. They go so fast. It's ridiculous. That's great. That's exactly what I want in life. Yeah. It's just only shows that are 20 minutes. Yeah. Also, can I do a very small second recommendation? Sure. Because you brought it up. There was a Hamilton episode of Dr- Drunk History yes. last week. If mm-hmm. you didn't watch it already. With Alia Shaquette. Yes, so mm-hmm. that's why I thought of it. And Aubrey Plaza, who, of course, is... Uh, we all love her, too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, Hamilton fans, if you haven't seen that, I would watch that, too. Yeah. Just watch Drunk History. It's really fun. Oh, my God, I love it's it. It's how I learn <laughs> half of my history lessons. <laughs> exactly. We were watching, actually, one of those White Rabbit Project episodes, and they had something that was in a Drunk History, and I was like, I already know it, right? <laughs> he tries, like my dad he tries was to like, sell the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah, and my dad was was like, I'm reading this book about them building the Brooklyn Bridge and what that was like, and I was like, Don't worry, I got this. Like, let me tell you <laughs> the secret behind it. So it turns out it was the wife all the wife along. All along. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. Oh my god, I love it. Mm-mm. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, does Zach have a thing for us this week? No. Well, you're going to be with Zach next week, right? Not next week, but the week after. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'll make so him you could... record a bunch of messages for us. All right. We're going to have a surplus of Zach. Yes. Soon. I can't, I can't <laughs> wait. It'll be great. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs>